Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast that, despite its somewhat dubious haircut, never lets its team down in the big matches. Hey, Dimitri. I am your host, Chris, and tonight, as usual, and as always, I'm joined by Phil and Jess. Good evening to you both. Good evening. And uh, it seems like a good place to start, I think, in terms of uh, this week's action. Uh, we are going to start with the big game uh, of the Sunday fixtures. However, just before we do that, we are going to give a, a kind of a nod, a, a parting nod, if you will, to the full midweek round. We're not really going to go into too much detail, just purely because, obviously, there's been around since and we'd be going back in time. But to read from top to bottom, just to fill you in on the results, we saw an impressive-looking Christophe Geltier-inspired Lille once again as they beat Bordeaux by three goals to nil. Yusuf Yuzici, who else? Although he did go off injured, unfortunately, in this game. Timothy Weyer and Jonathan David, who, uh, more on him later, is finding his feet at last. We saw the Jazz Phil Derby end in the way it probably should have done in a 1-1 draw. Uh, Saar opening for Mets before Gaetan Laborde. How important is it that Montpellier kept hold of him? Got the uh, equaliser in that particular game. We saw Rafs Angers, 0-0. Nothing to see here. Move along. We also saw the uh, sort of derby of sorts between Rennes and Lorient, which saw, uh, I thought, a really good point, actually, for Lorient. I would, of course. But uh, Bouygar with the late equaliser after Martin Terrier had scored for Rennes. So that was the, the rich Chris Darby, if you will. We um, we saw Strasbourg, who we will mention later on in, a little bit in the show. They were 2-0 up on Brest, but threw the points away in the last seven minutes. Thomason and Alohu had put the home side in front before Gaetan Chabonnier, he of the height. And uh, Le Durand with the late or post 90th minute equal abreast who uh, continue to be an entertaining watch this season. Less entertaining was Dijon and Lorient, but a one uh, Dijon Lorient, so I've got Lorient on the brain. Dijon Leon, sorry. Uh, OL coming out victors, Lucas Paquita, who's um, certainly uh, finding his best form at the moment with the winning goal on 22 minutes, and that was all she wrote. Uh, speaking of all she wrote, we'll come on to Marseille and everything that's happened this week in a bit more detail in a moment, but they also managed to throw away a two-goal lead, much like Strasbourg, following on Tovan and uh, Arcadius Milik's first goal for the Marseillais, getting them 2-0 up before throwing that game away. Sotoka and Medina, probably two of Lanza's best performers this season, getting the points shared in that particular fixture. Monaco continued their excellent run. Vissan Ben Yedda, uh, also we'll speak about it a little bit later on. He scored both goals, one from the penalty spot and one from open play. Sandwiched a Pierre-Lys Moulot brief equaliser for Nice, who went down. Better things to come from them at the weekend. PSG swept aside Nîmes, who subsequently fired their coach Arpignon, who left his post and was replaced shortly afterwards. Di Maria, Pablo Sarabia and Kylian Mbappe with the three goals there um, in probably the most predictable of results anyone could have seen coming in advance. And finally, we saw St Etienne against Nantes. Fascinating stats that uh, I learned from uh, from <laughs> Julien Laurence was, uh, was quoting this this uh, stat that in the five games under... under um, his name is just Dominic. thank you Dominic this is what happens when you try and read and speak at the same time as I always say uh, under Dominic five shots on target in five games interesting um, it improved in this game because they did get a goal uh, Colin Moani who I think it's safe to say will not be at Nantes much beyond this season because he's too good he put them in front in this game but uh, Camera 
got the equaliser for St Etienne and the points were shared. But yes, we will come on to he of the star signs uh, a little bit later. But it's at the... Can I, can I add one stat on him? David, David Wall said the last time he won a league and match was four days before Marseille won the Champions League. Wow. Um, and that, that was when you used to watch... Um, that was when you had to open the doors to turn the telly on. You know those old sets? like the, They were like TVs in big blocks of wood. And you open that. Sorry. I'm sorry, Marseille fans. It's, it's not fair, is it? It's not fair. We pick on you every week. I'm sorry. But we're going to pick on you again. So um, buckle up, everybody. Ah, Jazz, I'll start with you. The classique. Um, two, two observations straight away. We should say PSG rather unsurprisingly came away with a 2-0 victory in this particular fixture. Uh, Kylian Mbappe, who we may, may touch on in a mo, and uh, a quite brilliant piece of improvisation from Mauro Icardi with the two goals before a certain uh, fluffy-headed Dimitri Payet was sent off in stoppage time for OM. The two things that stuck out for me watching this game, aside from the commentary, was uh, that these games don't feel, and this is the same with the Rhone derby, I felt, that they don't feel quite as um, meaningful with the crowds there. And I know that's an obvious statement to make, but I just mean in terms of the, the pace of the game, the, the sort of the, the hunger in the belly, the fire, it, it sort of wasn't there. Marseille looked a beat inside before they even started the game. And my other observation in this was that to Marseille, in, in this particular game, I think you made reference that we were talking before the game, Jazz, and you said, I'm quite surprised PSG didn't go stronger. Marseille brought in different players to this game, and it still looked like they just didn't know what to do. It, it still looked to me like they were just a a side who had no fight, no hunger and no desire to do anything. Am I being fair? Like, is, is this just a Marseille season that they just need to write off and just try and start again? Because I look at it, their club and their squad and I think who on earth would be mad enough to go and coach there? Is, is that is that fair? Yeah, I think it is. We've sort of gone through it so many times that it's not a great squad and they're suffering a little bit because they overachieved last year. So I think probably expectations are higher than they should be but they've got a solid enough defense they've got a you know, decent enough keeper not as good as some people make out but he's he's obviously good and a very good servant to Marseille um, I think very good center backs and um, sort of Neymar shenanigans aside I think Alvaro Gonzalez has really sort of stepped up as a kind of leader Within the within the squad in the last week or so, um, more in terms of on pitch, off pitch, sorry, stuff with them. Um, you know, he was one of the players to front up last week when the the training ground was attacked, and he met up with fans again on on, on Saturday as well. Um, midfield, actually, a little bit like PSG, but obviously to a to a probably lower standard. They've got quite a wealth of decent sort of workaday midfielders, but not many kind of playmakers there. And their centre forwards isn't very good. So, or their centre forwards, if you want to count Germain as well. So the problem is that they're still reliant really on Payet and Tovin to provide any kind of attacking spark. And one of them is fat and lazy and has got his contract for life so he couldn't care less anymore and the other one um has got hot you know he's he's already got a foot out of the door 
and, and I think probably is trying, but I still think not quite as good as, as Marfe- Marseille fans would have you believe. So, um, yeah, as we've said a lot, everything there is a mess all the way down. And, yeah, they need to kind of bin this season and start again from scratch. But to get anywhere, I don't, I, you know, yes, someone can maybe do what Villas-Boas did last year and, and, um, and eke out every last ounce of talent of the players and, and get something out of it. But the fact is they're not amongst the three or four best teams in Liga at the moment and they, they need a big overhaul of the playing staff if they want to um, sort of get back to, to where the fans see that they belong. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I do think you make an excellent point. I, I just sort of, I just look at, I look at it, and I, I sort, of, I try and balance out that if I'm a, if I'm a, either a young up and coming coach or an experienced um, senior coach looking to rebuild my career, um, look away, Alan Pardew, please. But uh, I just look at those sort of managers of the experience or the younger elk, and I think to myself, if I was either of those categories. I just don't think I would take the risk. You know, I think the only way I would manage Marseille now is if I was a, a sort of a coach that that had a, you know, didn't really have a lot else going on and had an opportunity and, and really thought I could do something. But it's going to take a lot to rebuild that particular squad. What I about think it's just if you just look at the the last nine days, their 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 coach said mm. that he's going to leave in the summer. The training ground was attacked by fans, one, including one of the players being injured by the fans. The coach then resigned. The club then said, you can't resign. You're not dumped. We dump you. Or you can't dump us because we dump you first. And they yeah. sacked him. Um, they lose to their biggest rivals. Their arguably most influential player of the season um, gets injured. We don't know how seriously, but it was his fault and he did it sort of embarrassing himself against the player that he's been picking fights with this season. Um, and their supposed one of their star players gets himself sent off with with yet another act of complete petulance. And that's just one week. And like as oh and uh, you tend to giving up a two 0 lead midweek as well. Yeah. Vincent Luc said today in his editorial it's um uh, an extraordinary it's a very average team in an, in an extraordinary club mm. and yet there's so much history and okay yeah as we've mentioned before not all good history has to be said but there is this you if, if you're the guy who goes in there and, and transforms that that club then you deserve I mean I can't even imagine what you deserve absolutely sorry I also missed out <laughs> and in the middle of the week there's also um Rumours that they were going to be bought out by um, yeah. the yes. Dubai group, which was then de- denied. I don't know if that's Yeah, true. denied or they quietly sank into the background and went, no, we're not here. We didn't say anything. We're off. Bye-bye. And then went and bought Newcastle. And they didn't really. Well, what about PSG, Phil, in terms of this this game? Because I, I, I sort of feel like they're still getting used to the Pochettino sort of style. Um, clearly, he wants to play 4 2 3 one clearly got certain players that he, he favours. They lost Di Maria after he set up the opening goal uh, for Mbappe, looked like a thigh or, or hamstring strain, and, and he, he departed, Sarabia came on. But it does appear that Pochettino is quite keen on the likes of Icardi with Mbappe, Neymar floating, and he likes those sort of two holding 
sort of defenders. You look at like when he had a Tottenham and Sissoko, for example, he seems to be going with that with a presence in, in Verratti and A and other, which at the moment is, is the Argentinian. Um, uh, shall I call him a destroyer? Is that is he, I don't, don't even know if that's a if that's a fair sort of um, uh, description of Paredes, but that's kind of what I see him as. But what do you make of PSG ever overall? Because they didn't they didn't have a lot of opposition in this game. I always felt like they were doing that thing where a giant holds a, a small person at, at arm's length by their head as the yeah. small person kicks frantically. They didn't have to get out of second gear, did they? Yeah, and you know they were two 0 up inside half an hour, and unlike. Several other teams over the past week, uh, there looked not, no chance of a fight back. <coughs> what interested me was to see that, in fact, Marseille had more shots than PSG, which I think possibly shows they were chucking everything at it, but in a fairly inept fashion. Um, I mean, the Mbappe break for that first goal was just, ha, oh, that was good. Um, this speed and the way in which they kind of changed the uh, changed the play and just uh, left various people lying on the floor in their wake. Very impressive. Kilometers an hour. <laughs> so I think it's something where obviously looking at the Lekip, uh, you know, poll, um, that Mbappe got that first goal, obviously he was... He was was top of the thirty nine thousand votes, but second it was Ferrati, and third was Marquinhos because we have mentioned that his absence has been missed. Mm. So yes, the uh, and it was Ferrati, I think, who Payet took down, and there were some rumours that he, he he could be heard quite clearly calling Payet various names. Um, so yes, this was the thing is you said that beating Nîmes 3-0 was the most predictable result. It felt routine, but this also felt routine, and a classic shouldn't feel routine, if you see what I mean. It really was that Marseille didn't bring much, and I think you're right, Chris, about the fans, because, you know, normally in a classic, there are no away fans, so home advantage is the cauldron, and it really looked like, I mean, they could have done with something. Um, so, yes, this felt like a game where they were not playing their historyed rival, if you see what I mean, which may, uh, may be uh, something of a regret for many of their fans. Contributed towards it, yeah. And I can't remember if there were any fans. If there were, it certainly wouldn't have been that many in the first match between the two. And Marseille certainly, or both clubs, are able to sort of lift themselves, if not necessarily in a positive way, mm. um, for for a grudge match like that. And mm. even with fans, I think Marseille haven't beaten PSG at the Velodrome for like seven or eight years now. So yeah. um, the, I don't, I don't think the fans are everything. And, and you still expect like they did in the first match, Marseille to get up for this. I mean, I saw one Marseille fan crit criticise the fact that um, the very late Payet sending off a side, there was only one booking and that came quite late as well. And kind of saying, if nothing else, we expect our players at least to get stuck in, even if that means a couple of, of gratuitous yellow cards. And that goes back to, I think, what you were saying right at the start, that they just don't seem interested. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I do agree with that. It just, I think, I think the same can be said for any level of football at the moment. That you know, without I, I've certainly felt it as a, a football fan. Um, you know, even with sort of the club that's closest to my heart, I just, I just can't. I just don't get excited. Whether that's because there's so many games and it's a bit, I feel like we're being force-fed football almost. But um, so you're not doing what they did. Sorry, I'm going to go off subject. Just <laughs> I know where you were going to go, but yeah, I just match of the day two yesterday. They seem to suggest that Liverpool's drop off in form is because they miss their fans more than anyone else. Oh, of course, it's it's the it's that it's that huge atmosphere under the lights at Anfield. BS, yeah, um, yeah, and I, and I do, and actually, weirdly, I think it affects French football more than a lot of leagues because there's a lot of French football stadiums, for example, that are quite close to the pitches and. You know, we've mentioned before, there's a lot of um, sort of, what would you call, uh, unique support for some of the clubs, you know, Marseille included, and not always for good reasons. I just sort of feel like it, it is missing that a little bit. But um, yeah, it, it is it is one of those things. Well, one other thing I just wanted to quickly mention, because I know I know you love this subject, Jez, and I'm, uh, the longer it's gone, the more I'm, I'm coming to sort of completely agree with you. Uh, Kylian Mbappe... We saw everything he should be and everything he needs to stop being in the same game yesterday, didn't we? We saw the emphatic run, finish, touch of arrogance in, in both the finish and the celebration. Nothing wrong with that. I like it. Put the ball in the channel, get him in behind, doesn't have to think about it. And more importantly, doesn't have to think about squaring it to Neymar, which, of course, he then tried to do when the Brazilian was substituted on. Um, I imagine he had a, a lovely time at his sister's birthday last week that he was back off the bench and uh and Mbappe rather than shooting across goal which any instinctual striker would have done late on he okay you could say unselfishly but played a pass that was just never on to try and uh, sort of set Neymar in on goal and and the, the chance went away is there a little bit of a concern ahead of whenever if ever the Euros go down we, we've got this sort of thing with Mbappe that he's a different player for France than he is for, is for PSG. But there is a little bit of a similarity in terms of like, if you look at Griezmann and, and Mbappe in the same team, where there's sort of that reliance on those two players, is there a bit of a concern that Mbappe could could adapt his game too far the wrong way? Because you've mentioned this before, haven't you? I, th- I think he's such a talented player. I think you know, I've seen lots of people say, oh, he'll never, even PSG fans say, he's never going to be the player that people actually thought he was going to be. And I've seen other people suggest that he's just about speed and he's got nothing else, which is ridiculous because he's not Theo Walcott or even, dare I say, Adama Traore. Um, I think very intelligent player, as well as being quick, as well as being an excellent finisher, um, as well as having very good, good feet as well. Um, I just think he's not Neymar. I don't think they, and that's not to say that he's not as good as Neymar. It's just that they do different things. And also in terms of off the pitch or sort of on the pitch, but not actual football stuff. I don't think he needs to be that kind of person as well. He doesn't need to be a wind-up merchant. He doesn't need to dive all over the place. And I just, I don't think Neymar is healthy for him. I think he's a bad influence in ter- to an extent in terms of the way he plays, but certainly in terms of attitude as well. And I'm not wishing Mbappe away from PSG or from France, but I wouldn't be upset if he went away to, to Real Madrid um, because I think it would be good for him 
both in terms of sort of um, trying somewhere different. I'm not saying better because I, I, don't, I think he's proved himself at the highest level. Um, he's got a World Cup winners medal, for God's sake. Um, but just to try something different and maybe sort of expand his palette a bit. But I also, I really think just to get away from Neymar's influence would be a good thing for him. Um, and as you said, you know, what he did for his goal was was him at his best. And again, it's not just speed. It was also the the awareness that to, to, well. to bust the gut at that, at that moment. And then his first touch and his finish, it was all brilliant. And then, um, yeah, as soon as Neymar comes on, he, he's got no reason whatsoever to, to have some kind of imper- inferiority complex around Neymar. And I no. think to an extent he still does. I think he's a better footballer. Like, I, I, I don't get it wrong. I, I don't. I, I do have. I do have a bit of an issue with these people that say <clears throat> that Neymar is, you know, just a, a trickster and all this. I, but I do think in 10, 15 years, when everyone is is, um, uh, is sort of doe-eyed over Messi and Ronaldo, as they quite rightly should be in 10, 15 years when they're long gone, I don't think as many people will look back on Neymar in the same way and, and think, oh, well, you know, what a huge talent. Because I think ultimately he has flattered to deceive when it really matters. Whereas I think with Killian, as you said already, he's already won a World Cup. You know, he's already uh, he's a multi-time champion in France. And and I think his ceiling is is higher than Neymar. And if anything, you know, if, if, if I know this is slightly off the football, but he he's a brand. He's a brand as well. You know, he's an op- he's, he's clearly the, the next figure or the next um, poster boy of Nike. He's, he's very marketable as a footballer. He speaks well. You know, I, I, I just, I just this, this sort of obsession with, it's like that playground thing of, you know, the best best player on the, on the park and you always try and pass him to, to be in, in his good books, you know? But then the other part of me sort of thinks, well, it's great that they have such a good friendship. But as you said, I if, if it was me and I was Mbappe, I would be... I would be more hoping that Neymar finally gets that move back to Barcelona and he makes Paris his own. That would be my sort of take. But sadly, I do, like you, Jez, I, I sort of feel like he'll end up in Madrid or, you know, somewhere else away from, from French football, as as is the case with the, the very top stars. But, yeah, I just, um, I was impressed with him last night until Neymar came on. And I thought the finish was actually really good. It was a very underrated finish to hit it so close to Mandanda who just couldn't get down. I thought that was a really, really clever, clever finish. But um, hey ho, that was the uh, that was a classic anyway, and uh, much, much gone down since. Um, Phil, I just want to before we sort of uh, turn our attention a little bit lower down the table, I just want to get your thoughts on the two two chases. We'll come on to Monaco in a minute, but I just want to focus on on Leon um and Lille for a second Lille got uh, a 2-0 win away at Nantes which we'll come on to but first of all Leon uh again sort of how do how do I um how do I how do I even des- describe they, they beat a Strasbourg side that are clearly struggling at the moment um Toko Akambe and two for Memphis Depay this game was over as soon as Adrian Thomason got himself sent yeah. off for two bookable offences for dissent, which and those are fifteen it, minutes, I think. It was straight, yeah, and and, it, and he talked but, himself oh, yes, into it was the same. Is it the same same moment? He but he got booked on thirteen fifty six and sent off on fourteen twenty eight. I think it was literally, and I forget the referee's name, but he is a guy who just does not take back chat. Um, 
and and he was sent off and then the, the sort of the roof fell in <clears throat> but i i do think leon they we said it last week they are slowly but surely convincing me week by week by week and although strasbourg at home is you know nothing to write home about they had this game won basically as soon as they went in front that was it and and strasbourg okay with 10 men you know they were done but there does appear to be a gathering sort of tide for Leon, doesn't there, in terms of this, this title race going the distance? Yeah, I think looking at it, obviously we've had two rounds in a week and the top four have all won both of them. And we've had, you know, there's been some big wins, there's been some narrow wins. This was, again, you'd not, but it's not routine when there's this question can they all keep up with each other? Who's going to blink first? So even though they were playing 10 men who aren't as good, but there's still that tension there. And I think the three goals, I mean, Depay scored very shortly after that, and then Toko can be, but there was a lovely free kick from Memphis in the second half, um, which is uh, worth seeking out as well. So it was... Again, a bit like with Lille, where, you know, they're like, we've got this under control, there's no need to bust a gut, but they were still putting together some really nice moves. So I think that was, and of course, they were playing first um, on the Saturday evening of the, the top four. So obviously they went top with that, which again, then puts pressure on, on, on the rest of that pack. We're still including Monaco in it just because you know, it is chaos at the moment. So I think that was really um, the the Lille result was, um, as you said, we'll, we'll come to it in a bit. But they were the ones I think under most put under most pressure by that result because PSG must have just been assuming they were going to beat Marseille and Monaco aren't quite in there. You know, waiting to see if they can pounce on a, you know an injured deer. So that's a terrible metaphor. Anyway, um, so I, I like think it, that, yeah, think that um, you know, Leon put a marker down there, mm. looked very comfortable, and yes, they're still with Leon. They're the top two, and that's the fascinating thing, really, because we haven't had this for ages. So all you can do is is keep winning, and and that's exactly what Leon did as well. I don't know if you caught this game, but this was yet another classic Gautier will score early we'll we'll sit in we'll dig in and we'll see what the opposition have got and I may come to Jez in a second on this Jonathan but not a lot doing, doing yeah. good work um, again so that's uh, three three goals in a week for Jonathan David I think it's um, five and is it five and three games for him now and and yeah. and the first finish in particular that was the Jonathan David of, of Belgian football the sort of one touch from a, a a miss hit well Bamba's cross was actually all right I thought but it was deflected into his pass rather unfortunately, by a defender. And, and he, he just took a really good first touch and lashed it beyond Lafont. And yeah, he, he looks like a player who, with Yosichi going down with an injury, it's it's going to be on his shoulders a little bit with with Weyer to step up. And, and they did in this game. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, Lille, Lille impressed me. Um, I, I will... I will open the open the box, uh, Marks Dominic, and, and and sort of pass it down the line to you, Jez. Um, I think none are in all sorts of trouble. I really do. And and I know, you know, we, we try and stay as impartial as we can on, on, on this pod as, as best we can, but you can't, you can't overlook the fact that this team are, 
are in in bits and and it has not in, improved or changed in any way positively since Dominesh has come in the interesting thing as well with uh, with the the greatest team in french football's uh, lorient's recent revival skipping over that one quickly um, but they're unbeaten in four and have, have now opened a gap between nantes and themselves uh, and it should be noted have a game in hand as well there's a three-point gap all of a sudden and there's a four-point gap between Dijon and Nîmes, who are in the actual relegation spots, and Nantes. Do you um, do you think Nantes could end up actually finishing bottom of this table? Because the more I see of them, I just don't see. I, I feel like they're a club that's just completely dispirited. They they, they were they offered nothing against Lille, like literally nothing. I don't expect them to finish bottom, but the way things are going, I think I think they will go down. And I don't. I know it's sort of fun to to put everything on Dominic but um, they were in a big mess before before he he arrived it's just say, yeah. very obviously not the person to come in and, and sort things out um, you, you look at the the squad that they've got and yes there is a concern about the lack of goals but and I think he has tightened things up a little bit but it is a decent enough squad they should be doing better clearly better than they are and yeah, Dominic was not the person, or it, it was a massive, massive risk. Like we said, he, he hasn't coached club football for 28 years. He hasn't coached any football for, for, for 10 years. Um, so there, it was always a very long shot to think that he was the person that was going to um, turn things around and sort of um, as you said, sort of lift the club out of the doldrums. If it's just a, you know, often it is just a case of confidence and, and believing in themselves. And he's not the person for that, I don't think. Um, that apparently Keita, who really needs to take all the blame for all of this, um, met up with Genesio this week. I don't know if it's to maybe nothing at all to do with with the job. And if it is to do with the job, maybe it's only in the summer. I don't know, but. Um, there are certainly increasing rumours that that Dominic won't last till the end of the season, and that and sort of putting two and two together, maybe that's who um, who Keith is looking at to to replace him. I mean, Genesio has also been linked with Montpellier this week, mm. so which certainly seems a, a more attractive proposition. Um, but yeah, that something needs to change there very quickly. And as you said, they. They've got Blas, they've got Coco, they've got Simon. These are all players, Kolo Muani, who, who can score goals, but well. can you rely on any of them to, to score enough? Mm. Yeah, and, and, and they're, they're the sort of club as well that if they go down, all those players are gone um, instantly. They're all they're, they're pillaged and, you know, we have a situation where that they could easily just just sort of drop down the table of league do as well and, it, and it's you know it's a big club it, it's, you look at where Gagan are at the moment absolutely yeah Jack Sio as well as Osea for a number of years I mean, you know as soon as the players get stripped away they yeah they're in danger but I I was just I was really disappointed I, I watched I, I kind of tuned into this game thinking you know I'm not, I'm not expecting an instant classic here but I thought we would get something Watchable. I thought Nantes would have a bit of fight, and uh, all I could really do was sit back and appreciate how well structured and well organised Lille are. But um, well structured and organised. Um, yeah, it's right to give Lille credit as well because I think although they they sort of carried on winning, they went through their blip a bit like Lille. Yeah, and they went through it quietly, didn't they? And I thought the Bordeaux one would be a real test for them because Bordeaux came off that match where, frankly, they outplayed Lyon. 
and mm-hmm. didn't deserve to to draw, let alone lose. And they were well, just swept aside, weren't they? Yeah, Sweeney away again. is a fantastic result, and and they maintained that against none. They just didn't need to come out of second gear. No, no, agree. Although do seem to be having a little bit of a hiccup uh, of, of their own. There's quite a lot of movement in that middle of the table. So uh, yeah. Yeah, I want to. I want to sort of group that together in a second. Um, just before I do, um, I might get your thoughts on on this team, uh, Phil. Actually, while I'm here, I just do just want to talk about um, Monaco quickly because structured mm. and organised, and not necessarily two words that would go with Monaco's defending, but their attacking is is great. The the two things I watched this game live, and it was thoroughly entertaining. A four three win for Monaco. If if you'd have given me. 10 English pounds and said, put a bet on a player to score a hat-trick this weekend. Alexander Golovin probably wouldn't have been high on my list for mm. those, but they were three excellent goals. The free kick was excellent. The second oh, one was, a, kick was lovely. a ripper. But um, yeah, terrific win that for Monaco. Uh, the fourth goal from Kevin Volland. Uh, Luca Doan and that had actually pulled Neem back to 2-2 at one point. And Elias, and also, speaking of free kick, scored a belter himself. For a, a really battling Neem under their, their new coach, or interim coach, as you will, in, in Fakar. But um, I... I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Monaco. Like well, every yeah, time I was I about think to say, out of it, you, know? you just said it was a a, a terrific win. Um, I I think they were shitting themselves for uh, a defending was significant part of that. Yeah, I think what happened was obviously they go up two 0 up inside the first quarter of an hour uh, from Golovin, and you're just thinking, oh God, Nima gone now, and then they really, really dug deep and pulled out what looked to be one of the best fight backs of all the fight backs we've been talking about uh, to get it back to 2-2 at half time. But I was really nervous. I tweeted out that Neem have probably shot their bolt. Now they had to expend so much energy to get back into it. And you could see, you know, when the Golovin's hat trick uh, goal that when that free kick went in it's like oh god now we've got to do it all over again and so and then it was 4-2 shortly after that and while yes Eliasson uh, made it 3-4 um, you just thought they'd already climbed a mountain and they didn't have it left in them to do do that again which given the amount of goals they score in regular regular game uh this was a large proportion so i think monaco really need to kind of look at themselves and go all right all right lads yes we have won however many on the bounce but we can't be letting that happen if we're going to pick off one of the these top three because as you say structure and organization not possibly their uh their finest uh aspect it's the goal scoring that is big they've got 50, so they're level with Lyon and PSG on 55. Um, but who's top? It's Lille with 42. You know, there's they've got to do something about that goals conceded column because it's yeah, as entertaining as it is, you you yeah. don't win games conceding that many that many goals. Um, just quickly before we uh, have a a quick rummage around the middle part of the day, which I want to do. Um, Jess, are you slightly concerned about Wissam Ben Yedda? Um, and I, I don't mean like on a personal level, I'm sure he appreciates any words you might have for him, but I don't know if you saw the pictures after this game, but he was um, he was substituted again. And he has been a bit, his forms has been a bit patchy of late, but he, 
he scored a couple of midweek that we said, and and he you know he works hard, but he spent basically the entire second half um, after after being substituted, sat in the stands looking very lonely with his head in his hands, sort of like a player would if if he'd come off injured. I, don't, I haven't seen any injury reported. I, I don't know. I just sort of feel like he's sort of not quite there at the moment, which is strange given that he's lining up in a four four two with a big strike partner where you should you know you get the best out of him. Is there any slight concern about his his form or his sort of future within this this young vibrant Monaco setup? Do you think? Um, yeah, I, the he scored a fan, he scored as well a fantastic free kick in mm. midweek. I think it was, but yeah, well, um, his form has not been superb recently. Um, and he should be working well with Volland, but he does seem to to play well up front by himself. So maybe that's the issue. Um, when he went off yesterday, I saw a lot of Monaco fans saying, um, "Why is why is he coming off when Volland has done absolutely nothing all match?" And obviously, the Volland scores what what proves to be the winner and, and kind of vindicates Kovac's decision, which is also bad luck for Ben Yedder in a way, but. He looked devastated when he came off. And the same, I was also wondering if there was going to be some report of some kind of serious injury because um, for your your captain, firstly, to be substituted and secondly, have such negative body language like that. On, and he's not, yeah. you know, he's not the type. He's not sort of kicking bottles and backsuit no. tops away. He just sat there, didn't even bother. I assume it was a pretty cold day. He didn't even bother putting a jacket on or anything. Know. He just sat there with his head in his hands, literally for the rest of the match. And it was an entertaining match to watch. Yeah, um, so he wasn't really watching it, was he? He's, I think he's been, I don't know if loyal is the word to Monaco, but he could very easily have, have pushed and insisted on a move in the summer. Mm. Um, he's got his France squad place to to think about as well with the Euro in 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 this coming summer. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think he should be worried, and I don't know if maybe he's just not clicking with Kovac, but um, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah, that's what it feels. He's like. certainly not where he was this time last year. He looks a bit heavy to me as well, and I, and I you know appreciate I'm not an elite sports athlete myself, shock horror listener, but um, he came off the other night and sort of did that thing that all footballers do where they sort of pull their shirt up slightly to wipe their brow. And he did look a little bit, um, a little bit um, rubbery around the tummy. I don't know, but he is quite a low set player. So maybe, I don't know, just, just, just for different, different body types and et cetera. And I'm not, I'm not saying he's, you know, fat or anything, you know, like ridiculous like that, but he just looked a little bit heavy to me. So um, not pie at levels, I should stress. But, uh... I think maybe we're seeing a, a kind of uh, expected dip, given that how, you know, before Christmas, every time we mentioned Monaco scoring a goal, it was, and it's you-know-who, you know. He was doing a lot of the work, and maybe this is just, uh, you know, a natural thing. Um, you're going to have dips in form. But, yes, the reaction he had suggests that uh you know he if it is a natural dip in form you really need to just keep working and try to shrug it off and there didn't appear to be much shrugging no there's, there's plenty of shrugging but not in a positive positive yes. mindset but yeah i mean maybe something will come out but yeah he, he really like very rarely just a camera cut to a player so often um seeing them with their head in their hands like as like jez and i said it just looked like he was injured or or whatnot but um yeah, nevertheless, good win for Monaco. Good win. And um, uh, some, some breaking news, actually, that I've just 
just noticed as well, which I think actually came out last night, but it should be worth mentioning that uh, apparently Marseille are in active talks with Jorge Sampaoli. Now that would be interesting, wouldn't it? So keep your eye on that one. Anyway, back to the middle Can of I the say table. Calm, coach. <laughs> yeah, well, what could possibly go wrong? <clears throat> Bielsa. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that one ends up. Um, what about the middle of the table? Um, Phil, you wanted to, to mention this. Um, we saw a good win for Nice. Uh, I should mention as well. Can I just, sorry, can I just very quickly on Ben Yedder? He was in good form during the week because I think a stat came out saying something like that um, he's got at least 15 goals slash assists in, in Ligue 1 in, and it sort of listed like seven years or something and then there, were, there was a gap of two years in the middle. So someone replied to him, what happened in those two years? He said, well, I was at Seville, so it's quite it's hard fine. to score 15 goals yeah, in class. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, do, he does come across quite a good character on, online, I must admit. But yeah, yeah, I think that's a, a fair point. Um, speaking of, as well, just saying, Nice got a, a really good and much-needed win over Angers, Dembier and goal, Malida turned up for once, and I mean, Guiri. Um, shout out to Geoffrey in Adelaide, who unfortunately did his cruciate again in midweek and is facing another long spell on the sidelines um, whatever you think of him and how he left OL and etc a very talented young player who's uh, having his career seemingly shortened with these horrific back-to-back injuries so um Orcher coming out in shirts yeah so, a little bit I was a little bit that was a little bit Liverpool Suarez t-shirt he wasn't it a little yeah, bit well, yeah. well, it started with Neymar in 2014 it did it? didn't it yeah a bit cringe I'm not really sure yeah not really sure about that but anywho um so yeah good good win for Nice um Phil Montpellier snapped their losing streak as well with that 4-2 win over uh, Dijon um that's the, good goals the, in that one the 13th time they've gone down they've conceded first and it's the first time they've won and yeah. you're playing Dijon who I know are fighting for their lives at the moment but seriously whew, and that got a little bit tense at the end um, I mean they managed to pull it back to 2-1 then brought on our new favourite sparky youngster um, Eluahi came on uh almost immediately got fouled by Koulibaly, who'd scored the opener. So Koulibaly gets sent off. Well, he actually got the goal in the net, but it was ruled out for being offside. Everything got a bit chaotic. Dijon got their second from a penalty by Canate. That's actually the 11th penalty that Montpellier have conceded this season. They have the worst record, I believe, or the best, depending on how you look at penalties. And Omlin, who I always think of as being a very, very capable goalkeeper, hasn't stopped any of them. So it was a little bit um, nervy at the end there, but then uh, super sub Skuletic scored in the 90th minute, which I don't think many of us were expecting. So yes, winning streak <coughs> starts here, um, but yeah, still not massively convincing, but they did manage to pull it back, which was what I was mentioning about them last week, their inability to come from behind and managed to do that so hopefully that has kind of uh maybe hopefully got some confidence up on people and also for hilton's 500th league on game at the ground old age of 67 i believe now um hilton's <laughs> that is nuts isn't it that really is and credit 
credit to him as well to play at you know not just a level but the top level for that that amount of time is is very nearly um he he got a header that i think just wide or just saved as well i mean that would have been that would have been nice he doesn't just to cap it off no he really he really doesn't um but there yeah that was a a a decent result as you say montpellier unbeaten in in two now so that gets them back into 11th we've mentioned marseille already you're in that middle area angers mentioned there just losing to nice um just will briefly skip over the fact that Matt's lost to St Etienne. It is actually a big result for St Etienne. We shouldn't underplay that John Boy own goal. Um, much needed win for, for Claude Puel. But um, I want to just get your thoughts on, on Bordeaux. I kind of want to apologise to Bordeaux fans because we picked them up last week and since then they've lost three straight games. Um, but Steve Mounier and, and Romain Febvre turning this game on its head with 10 minutes to go. Uh, Huang Yuzhou has found a hot streak. Put Bordeaux in front. It's a very watchable game, and, and Brest came from behind to win it to one. Brest themselves uh, back up to twelfth with that particular victory. Um, what do you make of Bordeaux? Just, I, just to say, uh, they're sort of that team where I, I look at it, look at the squad, and I think that's a squad that should be pushing for Europe. But then they go and lose three on the bounce, and I look at it again, and then go, "Oh, were we? Was it? You know, were we overrating them, or are we underrating them again? I can't really work them out." I mean, for me, we're still sort of very much rating Gasset. I don't think it's a particularly good squad. I think there's still a couple of players there, particularly Udan de Preville, who are not doing what they should be doing or what we thought they could do when they both had different clients, but both signed, signed for Bordeaux. Um, ben Arthur have his usual sort of flashes of brilliance. He should have scored one the other, um, at the weekend. It was, it was a pretty poor miss, actually. Um, and solid enough in, in defence, Costa obviously is, continues to, to do the business. But I just, I mean, the, the defence actually is what's winning them a lot of points this year. They've, they've got one of the best defences in the league. Um, I think they're going to miss Otavio in the middle, who's, who's out for the rest of the season with serious injury. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you that it's such a great squad at all. Um, it's good to see Adley kind of getting back to, not back yeah. to, but sort of starting to fill all the potential that, that we saw in him years ago. Um, so that's one positive. But for me, it, it's Gasset again, just being very, you know, getting his teams very well organised, playing wholeheartedly for him. And, and I think they're probably doing better than they would do under, certainly if Sousa was still there, for example. Yeah, maybe, maybe um, I thought... At least it's sort of a little bit quieter, just in terms of... Um, off the pitch. Off the, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. I, I may, maybe you're right. Maybe I slightly overrate the squad. I just, I, I maybe I'm sort of doing the, the Marseille thing and thinking, oh, Bordeaux, you just associate them with the UEFA Cup as it was then, but maybe they are a, a bit of a step away away from that. Um, just before we look ahead to the midweek cup action, which we will mention before we go, just to round up the other results that we haven't already covered. There weren't uh, many. I don't think I think I've covered them pretty much all, but uh, Lorient with a, another priceless victory. Uh, Laurent Abagel, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, two goals in a week. Uh, another cracking goal for him to get all three points for Lorient in that particular game. And uh, we saw a, a very forgettable Lons nil, Ren nil um, draw on Saturday night. I settled in, I had my popcorn, and it was... The, the, the most interesting thing in that game was there were four bookings in extra time, including an apparent punch-up between um, Jonas Martin and Kawasaki, who seemed to get away with the headbutt. Yeah, uh, there was... Everybody seemed 
uh, to think he was quite a lucky boy. Not I think he was. Yeah, I think he was, particularly when everything is reviewed and watched over. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely uh, an interesting one. Um, just to put you in, in sort of in terms of the bottom end now, as I mentioned earlier on, Neiman Dijon, a, a cut adrift by four points in the bottom two places from Nantes, who have now dropped into that playoff spot. And I say I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but um, Pelletier has, has done something with Lorient because they're unbeaten in four now, three wins out of four. And they're, uh, they're up to 22 points with that aforementioned game in hand, which I believe is against Nice, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong there. I need to check that. I think it is, yeah. Um, and then Strasbourg are alarmingly falling down the table. They haven't got a win in four. And St Etienne, with their two wins and a draw in the last three, have moved themselves up with the likes of uh, Rams, Nice and Brest kind of hovering uh, comfortably-ish without being uh, too fine a point on it. Um, midweek action then, cup games, anybody particularly invested in specific games? I like, quite like the look of Bordeaux to lose. I think that's on Tuesday. That could be, well, I say feisty and every time I think, oh, that would be a good and you think there won't be any fans so yeah yeah um, um it's not tuesday story yet tuesday is rounds valenciennes which has an old school look about it uh Lorient, paris fc and leon ajaxio is, is tomorrow's games uh and then you've got wednesday filters down list of uh, there we go so bordeaux bordeaux toulouse uh, slightly strangely at 1 45 p.m as is uh grenoble foot uh, monaco strasbourg montpellier Osea, marseille and not Lance. They're all three at one forty-five UK time kickoff. Uh, I think Marseille could be good because yeah, was there in good league after, uh, league de form? Sorry, and they've got Jean-Marc Fournon as coach, who weirdly is as sort of either never been linked or never shown any particular desire to to go to any of the big oh, league yeah. clubs. But he's just so well respected in France for for. The kind of football that his clubs play and I think he's holds a record for the most promotions from from League 2 yeah um, and there was a an Ozer goal that, that went viral last week just a fantastic team move and it's almost like I mean it's a tough match for Marseille anyway but a lot of it could be sort of you know look at what you could have won sort of thing yeah let's have a look at what you could have yeah exactly yeah you do wonder actually if Marseille wouldn't go wrong getting a, a younger upcoming coach although I suppose in theory VS Boas was meant to be that so less said the better uh, we've got uh, Omiar Metz uh, that's one for you Jess that's these are four o'clock kickoffs on Wednesday uh, we've got Brest against Rode and Nîmes Nice which also might be a decent little watch and then at 6pm UK Dijon Lille likely so um, and an old-fashioned league tie Calm PSG although you'd expect it to be a heavily rotated PSG side. Uh, that's the eight o'clock game. Isn't that usually the match that's at the end of the season and seems fixed? I can't, we can't just roll over and lose 4-0. Yeah, yeah. It, it always reminds me of... I always think of Zlatan when I think of Can PSG. I just, just do. I don't know why. But, yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see that. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's on UK TV as well, that game. So that might be one that's worth um, checking in on. Just before we do go, actually, seeing it, seeing as we mentioned it, I will just very briefly bring our listeners up to date with uh, what's happening in League 2 because we saw quite a big fixture take place at the weekend um, in this particular division, which I cannot get the Lemon League table up. Damn it. Right. Um, and that was uh, between Toulouse and uh, Troyes. And, um, and at the moment... Still can't get the league table up. Trois are currently top of the table with 48 points. Um, this this game, should stress, ended in a one-all draw. 
Uh, Toulouse stays second with that draw, 46 points. Um, you've got Grenoble, Foot, Clermont, Foot, and uh, Osea, as you mentioned there, Jez, 40 points in, in fifth place. It's quite an entertaining division, this this league. Uh, if, if you go if you go down to Osea in fifth, you've then got um, Paris FC, just three points adrift of, Mon- of uh, Osea in, in sixth. Uh, Sochaux, Valenciennes, Omiens, Ajaxio down to 10th. And then down at the bottom, Chateau are having a, a horrible time. They're bottom. Powell, second bottom. Chambly are third and relegation spot bottom. And then, as you mentioned earlier on as well, just the likes of Gangomp, uh, Nancy in 16th. Um, Lave have had a, a really strange run of draws, as have Nior in, in the 12th and 13th, respectively. But it's quite a fun little division league. It's, it's really sort of throwing up some surprises. Um one suspects Toulouse and Troyes will be the two that go up, but that race behind them is getting getting interesting. So it's, it's certainly a, a league to to keep a little eye on, um, as I did on in this particular fixture at the weekend. So yeah, one one to keep an eye on. Um, right, games of the weekend then. Before we wrap this week uh, this week's podcast, if I can speak up. Any games you fancy, ladies and gents? Any uh, any particular games you fancy looking into in terms of League House next next round of action? I have such a terrible record of um, saying, "Oh yeah, watch this game; it'll be great," and then it's the only nil nil of the multiplex that you I want to back. You want to back out of picking a I'm, game. <laughs> I, I am tempted to say that Lille versus Brest could actually be pretty cool. Yeah, that's the one that I worry that I am badly jinxing it. And obviously, Leon Montpellier is is something that um, lives in the nightmares of many mm. Montpellier supporters, given the prevalence of the scoreline five one, one way or the other, usually their way. Um, that's the Saturday so, night game as well. No, Saturday so night game, so I will be, yeah, yeah, that, the, the, watching um, that through my fingers. The one that jumps out at me. I'm obviously unbiased, but I do like the look of Monaco Lorient because it legitimately could be anything um, at the Stade Louis. Yeah. That's that's the Sunday midday game. Um, any any for you, Jez? I mean, Rens and Etienne also has a bit of a a look yeah. about it, doesn't it? We've met Strasbourg because it's a Eastern derby. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, Lille-Brest, I think, will probably be the in terms of quality of football the purists for the weekend. Yeah. Bordeaux Marseille, just because I think this is the one where. Marseille haven't won at Bordeaux in the league since like 1977 or something. So it's the craziest stat considering some of those Marseille teams that have, have played since then. Mm. So, I don't know, if they were to win that somehow, would that be a, a small consolation for the rest of the bin fire that is their season? <laughs> Pin fire being the operative phrase, yeah, yeah. There's a couple of couple of decent looking games um, this weekend upcoming. That said, I think the weekend that's just gone by, I looked at a few games and thought, mm, I'm not really sure much is going to happen there. And then a couple of four threes and four twos, and God knows what else. Seventeen goals in the in the last telefoot multiplex. So at least yeah. they've got to go out with their goal noise binging and and lots of shouting and and laughter. Well, thank God for Liga, because honestly, the Premier League is boring me to tears. But uh, yeah, it was a good also, weekend. Dijon Nîmes, I might not necessarily watch it, but it's a very big match. Yeah, huge for both, really, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because yeah, I mean, essentially, it's the bottom two. Whoever wins puts a gap between the other one. Um, we should say as well, Dijon are the home side in that one. Even Angers Nantes is a fairly big game, not in terms of a spectacle, but. Angers, one win in five, sort of patchy form. And as we mentioned earlier on, you know, Nantes really need to get 
uh, back on winning ways. And if either Dijon or Nîmes do win that game and not want to lose, suddenly there's only one point difference. And when Lorient inevitably turned Monaco over 5 0, there's going to be quite a gap down at the bottom. So um, you heard that here first. But yeah, plenty to uh, get our teeth into for next week's pod. Um, we'll draw a line there. I think that seems like a good enough place to, to stop well, for this week. Can we just mention that um, while the Coupe is hitting the round of 64 for the league teams, um, the rest of French football has been frantically scrambling to catch up yeah. um, and had the seventh round, I think, at the weekend. John Mainland uh, has been keeping an eye on things um, and letting us know how that goes. So you'll find that on the site and there should be an, another one coming for the round that's just happened. Um, so that trouser of the Coupe de France continues, but at a significantly earlier stage of the competition. We've also got in Divan, the, the Women's League, that PSG are still top by one point from OL. Can they hold on to be the first plucky underdogs to knock OL off their, their perch for the first time in, what, 13 seasons? 12, 13 seasons? So... Um, that's also uh, interesting to, to keep an eye on. OL struggled a bit to beat uh, Montpellier 2-1 at the weekend. Montpellier are not great this season, so it just shows, I think, that OL are starting to struggle a little bit. And it's mm. interesting to see how that pans out. Also shows just how many games both the, the women's and men's football uh, clubs all around Europe have to cram in. Yeah. Um, I, at this stage, I will be genuinely amazed if the Euros happen. But you know, we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Which um, you know, or don't. Got a, or don't. We've got a hundred games between now and then. So um, yeah, we'll we'll cover it, cover it, and see where we end up. Anyway, uh, as I say, until uh, next week, if you've got any questions or queries or points or anything you want to bring up, as usual, you know how to get to us. I know you've been quiet recently, dear listener, but if there is anything you want to get to, uh, don't be afraid to drop into our inbox and we will do our best to cover it. Um, but we'll be back this time next week to cover the weekend's action and we'll probably splice in the uh, Coup de France results as well if there's any notable shocks uh, or indeed not shocks. We'll cover that as well. So until then, uh, just remains me to thank both Phil and Jez for their time. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, best of luck to you both your sides at the weekend. And uh, yes, we're all off to watch Lorraine demolish Monaco. I've said it again. Till next week, enjoy your French football. We'll speak to you very soon. Excellent.